kids coming out? Okay. Well, let's dismiss the kids right now. And uh, while they're going, if you have your Bibles or electronic device with your Bible, let's hold it up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, own the vision. (laughs) Owning the vision. Very important that we understand that. Last week we talked about how the vision affects me. Now this week it also how it affects me, but how it affects me outside of me. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Verses 31 through 46, pretty good section of Scripture. But I want us to look at that in in a real strong way this morning. I hope that you'll hear the message today. Today is one of those toe stomping sermons. Any of you know what I'm talking about? If you don't, you will soon. If you don't leave here feeling like somebody stepped on your toes, you might want to recheck where you're at with God. Because today's message deals with all of us and how we get outside of ourselves to be ministers of God to the world. But I first of all want to address the fact that either Jesus did not come back yesterday as he was predicted, or we're all lost because we're still here. So I'm going to go with the fact that he didn't come back yesterday. One of the things that you can count on for sure when you sit down and try to pinpoint when Jesus is going to return is that you're making a mistake. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Okay? But I'm concerned about our country, aren't you? We're a country that's divided. We're not united. If we were truly the United States, there's nothing that can stop this country. But evil will always seem to triumph and is today triumphing. Politics, I know I'm tired of it. I'm tired of politics attacking the faith that I have. I'm ready as a Christian to stand up for my faith. Religion and politics don't mix very well, but we need it to mix because we need to understand we've got to bring change to this country if we're going to survive as a country. Politicians have lost touch with reality. There is no way that those guys in Washington and ladies in Washington have any idea what's going on. They can go back and talk to their constituents And the constituents will tell them what they want, and they'll go to Washington to do what they want to do. The power has shifted from them working as to serve us to we have to serve them. There's something wrong with that picture. Politicians have drifted from the original ideology, and they want to. They just say what people want to hear. Much like preachers today, 
of saying what people want to hear, not what they need to hear. Lifelong people living above the very people they claim to serve. There ought to be term limits on people who serve in Washington, D.C. There ought to be. And once they're through in Washington, they shouldn't get paid an exorbitant amount of money. Uh, someone posted last week in an article the amount of money that we pay to the past presidents. They're already wealthy to start with, and then they're more wealthy off of the taxpayer. No. Making rules for everyone else, they do, but exempt themselves from the same rules. There's something wrong with that, too. It's like a dad telling their kid not to smoke while they're smoking. Doesn't work. Live above the law of the land. I'm so tired of a group of elite people breaking the law and never being held accountable for it. If you and I have done anything, what's been done by some of these folks, they'd put us in a hole so deep we'd never get out. One day soon, though, one day soon it's going to be over. It's all going to stop one day soon because Jesus is going to step out on the eastern sky and the trumpet of the Lord will sound and time will be over. And every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. And those elitist folks in Washington, D.C. are going to be on their knees crying out to God. But it may be too late. It'll be like the people who were banging on the side of the ark trying to get in when the waters were rising. Our God and Father will send Jesus Christ to put a stop to evil and to deception. He will bring unity. Because the unity will be in Him. The battle over right and wrong, the truth of God versus the law of the land. It will not matter what all the lawmakers say. They will answer to the ultimate lawmaker and what He'll do. Now let's go to our text in Matthew 25. Let's pick it up at verse 31. If you have your Bibles, open up there. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on His right, the goats on His left. And then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you? Uh, we're, we're naked. And, and, and When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. 
Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then also, they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of these, uh, the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May God bless the reading of His Word. Real versus fake. One of the greatest things I saw in the last week or so was the news accounting of Nancy Pelosi going back to California to speak to her constituents and the DACA folks, the illegals who are here illegally because their parents brought them, were screaming at her and calling her a liar. So she's getting paid back what she started years ago. I just thought it's funny. You see, whenever we lie, lies will come back and haunt us. And it really doesn't matter what side of the, uh, of the party affiliation you have. Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter because they're all liars. It's sad that when you see a person who becomes a politician that you can't trust what they say to you anymore. But it's not a coincidence that this passage that we just read comes after the parable of Jesus talking about the servants. Remember, one servant gains five bags of silver and invests and gets five more. One servant gains two bags of silver, invests and gets two more. One servant had one bag of silver, hides his bag, does nothing with it. You see, it's, it's about talking our, or taking our abilities and using those accordingly to build the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. So what bags or gifts do you have that God should be using and you allow Him to use to produce something for the kingdom of God? In our text, it talks about the final judgment and God looking at our lives and what we've done with our lives. Jesus commissioned His disciples to go and make disciples. Talked about that last week. Make disciples. And when you're going and making disciples, baptize them and then teach them to observe all that He's commanded us and love them with you always, even to the end of the, end of the age. We're to address the spiritual needs And then we're also to address the physical needs that people have. You can sit in a restaurant and see somebody that's going to have a hard time to pay the bill. Pay it for them. Maybe they're more wealthy in money than you are. No matter. They're not necessarily richer than you are because of your walk with God. You see what I'm saying? Because it's not about money. I had somebody come by this week and needed money. I said, well, we don't have cash here at the church. So they finished telling me their story, and they needed $18 to buy a bus ticket. So I handed her her a $20 bill. I said, now this is up to you. If that bus ticket meant that much to you, that's what you'll spend it on. If it didn't, that's up to you. But my contention is don't ever ever loan money to people because they're never going to pay you back. Can you say amen? How many of you have done that? Okay, I'll loan it to you. They never pay it back. If you can't afford to just give them the money, don't get involved in the transaction. Okay? 
That's the safest way to go. That way you don't lose, you don't have breaks in, resp- in relationships. You can't overlook the heart of Jesus. Jesus loved people. We're to love people. We're to meet needs. We're to make disciples. One of the responsibilities of the church is, and, and one is each uh, one of our responsibilities to ourselves is that we're to take care of each other. We're to watch out for each other. We're to look at the evil in the world. And it's easy to write it off and say there's nothing that we can do, but yet we can make a dent somewhere. We can make a difference in one life. And this morning, I'm hoping that this message will generate in you a desire to make a difference in one person. Just one person. Whether we have a pocket full of money or we don't have two coins to rub together, the Word can be moved in us to make a difference in somebody's life. There's a little 12-year-old girl that lives in Edmond, Oklahoma, that all of a sudden became a millionaire overnight. Little girl's a ventriloquist and won America's Got Talent. She won a million dollars plus a, a, a contract to perform in Las Vegas at, at one of the casinos. Wow. She's going to be wealthy the rest of her life unless her mom and dad don't know how to manage money. Time will tell. One night a woman dreamed that she was having a conversation with God and she was angry about all the suffering and the evil that she saw around her so she complained to the Lord. She said, God, why don't you do something about all this? And God gently said, I did. I created you. (laughs) Each of us plays a role. Each of us has something to do to correct what we see around us that we don't like. If you don't like a politician, vote them out. Work to vote them out. Don't complain. Just work to vote them out. If you don't like a politician, call them, write them, email them, text them. Oh, what good's it going to do? You never know. But it'll make you feel better. At least you did something besides sit and complain. Amen? Just like we talked about in the beginning... Well, the politicians who've gotten lost in the process of doing good for people. They, they don't really do good for people. They do good for themselves. It's obvious. I believe that God's people, can we can lose focus on what God wants us to do. And we're part, we have a part to play in that. If we're not careful, the poor, because they don't have much, develop a give-me attitude. We see a lot of that today. Right? Give me, give me, give me. Give me, give me, give me. What you got, I need. What's, uh, I can't remember now how the phrase goes. What's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. Yeah, that's it. It's that give me attitude. If we're not careful, the poor can bankrupt us. The well off forget that God gave them everything they have. If you have a whole lot of wealth, monetarily wealth, man, you you don't need God. You've got everything you need. Just look at the cars you drive. That wealth bought you. Just look at that house that that wealth bought you. Just look at all those fancy clothes that that wealth bought you. The greatest lesson I ever learned in life was from a man who was an insurance salesman. And he had made a lot of money. And one day we were talking, I was, I was me moaning about my... We were raised, we were uh, uh, married and uh, didn't have kids yet, but we were married and 
Uh, it was struggling. I was a youth minister and Cindy and I were struggling and I was bemoaning about how I didn't have any money to do this, do that. He said, hey, can you come over to my house? I said, sure. He lived across the street from the church, so we went over to his house. Took me back to his bedroom, pulls open a center drawer on his dresser, and in that center, center drawer were gold rings, gold watches, I mean, expensive stuff. He said, man, how would you like to have some of this stuff? I said, wow. Wow, that'd be awesome. He said, there's a lot of money sitting in that drawer. And then he shut the drawer and he said, now I want you to look up here on top of my dresser. And on top of the dresser were pictures of his children and uh, pictures of him with his children and there's other pictures of his children. And he said, here's the, here's the thing. What was in that drawer costs me what's up on the dresser. He said, I can help you make a lot of money. But are you ready to give up what's up here for what's in there? Man, I loved that when I was 26 years old, getting that lesson. Because it taught me that family is so important. Amen? They are, they are greater than riches. To watch my family and to watch my children and to be able to be around them. And when they were growing up, to be in their life. To influence them. And so it is with, with Christ. Fake Christianity is believing it's all about you, your life, your happiness, your success, and nothing else and nobody else. Genuine Christianity is Christ is Lord, Christ is Savior, first in everything in our life. In fact, if Christ is truly in you and truly you are genuine in your Christian walk, you will do anything you can to get somebody else to come to know Christ as their Savior. When you see a need, you'll do everything you can to help that need. When you see a job that needs to be done, you're not going to worry about who. You're going to worry about what can I do? How can I help? Where do I fit? These people have the love of, for people like Jesus had it in His life. They, are, they open up their hearts and their lives to be a blessing to others. This passage that we read is not about the haves and the have-nots. It's about those that did and those that did not. Jesus loved people. That was His ministry. We should love others, and that should be our ministry. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. On your outline in your, in your uh, bulletin, I've got lists of Scripture references. And as I read these Scriptures... Through, I want you to circle the ones that really touch your heart. That Jesus is speaking to you through these scriptures. Okay, don't have a lot of fill-ins for you, just a few. On some quotes I'll do as we go through. But from now on through the end of the sermon, I want you to circle the verses that just mean something to you. And then later I want you to go back and read those and, and let God touch your heart with them. The first one is Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It says, Come unto me, all, you, all of you that are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a great verse? Because our ministry comes back to us and our ministry to others can wear you out. But the good news is you're not doing it alone. Luke fourteen thirteen. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. That's what I'm talking about when you're in a, in a restaurant or you're in, in some place and somebody's trying to pay for their meal and they just don't have enough money. Why don't you step up and give them the rest? 
You see what I'm saying? It's those little things that can make a big, a big, big difference. Proverbs 19:17. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will reward him for what he has done. So God will reward you. He doesn't not see this. He sees what you do. He sees all that we do. And He rewards us. Proverbs 22, 9, A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. You ever bought two hamburgers and just gave one away? Yeah, just go in and buy two of them and then look for somebody you can give it to. Just give it to them. Now, they'll look at you funny like you've really messed with that hamburger and they're not going to eat it. Maybe you put raw pickles in or, or dead pickles or something. I don't know. Maybe you spit in it and wrapped it back up and handed it to them. But the thing I want you to get here is that Jesus taught it, Jesus lived it, and Jesus modeled it. We think that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for immoral living. That was the only, there were only one, uh, that was only one sin of many that caused Sodom and Gomorrah to go down. Ezekiel writes, they were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They didn't help the poor and the needy. They only looked to themselves. So much like us in our culture today. So much like us. We are not saved by good deeds. Now here's your first fill in. We are not saved by good deeds. We are saved by Christ alone. You can't do enough. If I want Cindy to love me, I can't do enough to make her love me. Her love for me is unconditional. All you got to do is be sick and in the hospital. When you're not supposed to do anything. You can't get up. You can't walk around. You can't do those things. Someone has to take care of you. It's very, very, very humbling. The hardest part for my hospital stay this time was to allow those young hospital technicians to come in and give me a bath. I didn't like that. I didn't like it at all. But I didn't want to smell like a racehorse either. So I was grateful. And they just did it cheerfully. They they didn't care. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Powerful verses. For it's by grace that you were saved through faith. It's not from ourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We cannot buy or earn salvation. We can do good works to make it to heaven, but the fruit should follow the believer. He who is saved by Jesus should act like he's saved by Jesus. Emmett Smith used to say, When you make a touchdown, don't act like a fool. Act like you've been there before. Act like you've been there before. So when somebody is saved, we shouldn't sit back and go, Wow, that's amazing. No, we should just rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus has to has a call to those that claim to be a Christian to feed the hungry, give drink to those who are thirsty, clothe the naked. There will be those that claim Jesus but don't live it. Their lives don't bear fruit. Some live it, some fake it, 
And one day we're going to stand before God and He'll look at our lives. It's kind of like this vase of flowers up here. Some of you probably wondered, what in the world's He got those flowers up there for? Well, you know, they're pretty, aren't they? I mean, they're pretty to look at. They are. But they are as fake as a $4 bill. And you know what's bad about a fake flower? It never grows and it never produces. That's kind of like us, isn't it? We're kind of like that, aren't we? So are we real? Or are we fake? The church today has to reproduce. Disciple people to be like Christ. The people of God have to desire to be discipled and be who God intended them to be. If you've grown complacent, quit being complacent. Here's a great quote. Good deeds don't make you a Christian, but if you are a Christian, it will be the fruit of your faith. It's, a great, it's great to hear a good sermon. And I pray hard and I work hard for that to happen in your life, week in and week out. But just as important on hearing is being, uh, on, on me speaking a good sermon, is you hearing a good sermon. Because a singer, I've always said a singer is worth nothing if people won't listen to him. People come to me over the years and say, man, I wish I could sing like you. And I say, you know what I'm grateful for? Is that you like to listen. And because you like to listen, then my singing somehow is okay. A good sermon is only as good as you're allowing it to be heard in your life and in your heart. And as I've given you Scripture this morning, it shows us as believers what we need to be doing and being authentic and not fake. And we need all of us to be looking for ways to allow our faith to be active with good deeds shown toward others. Because the essence of leadership in the church is servanthood. And the essence of a life fulfilled is servanthood in the kingdom of God. It's more than a nice concept. It's, it's one that was modeled by Christ Himself. Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. It's more than a sermon. It's becoming the example of being Christ. People need to look at us and say, You look just like Jesus. You look like Jesus. I see Him in you. The Last Supper, Jesus is in the upper room. He's ready to die for all mankind. Jesus gets up from the meal. In John chapter 13, verses 4 and 5, Jesus gets up from the meal, took off His outer clothing and wrapped a towel around His waist, and after that He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. At that time, that was a radical step for Jesus to do that. It was unbelievable. The Son of God washing people's feet. You ever had your feet washed? And you, raise your hand if you had your feet washed before. Oh, man. Isn't that a humbling experience? Your soul, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, hey, 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 wait, wait. It's so empowering, though, when you're the person doing the washing. Because you're humbled before the Lord. And you're humbled before that person that you're washing their feet. And you're letting them know how important they are in your life and to the Lord. 
the world has all the big shots that we look up to, especially this time of year when football's in session. Boy, we just we look up to all those big-time football players, it seems like. They're our heroes. But less and less they're becoming my heroes. A, an athlete that won't stand up for the country, I have a hard time with. They can say they're doing it for racial inequality, whatever they want to say. The, some of the athletes are trying to get the NFL to make one of the games designated as us against the police. I, I, I definitely don't like that. I don't know about you, but I just think that's a waste of time and sad. And right now our Christianity is under attack right here in this country. If you have a Christian business and you don't want to do business with, say, a homosexual couple, because of your religious beliefs, you're going to lose. Not them. You will lose. Because they'll turn around and sue you, and the government will force you to do what they want you to do. very small minority of people in the country. It shows you how evil can rise. Just give it a little time. Even some Christian celebrities continue to lose their focus. But we've got to understand that you're never too big and never too powerful to serve another person. The Son of God is a server. So why in the world would we not serve if Jesus led us to serve? The world expects to be served. Needs met. Feet washed, so to speak. Not so with Jesus and not so with the followers of Jesus, they were ready to do it, anxious to do it, looked for every opportunity to do it. And the deepest lesson that Jesus teaches is humbleness, gratitude, and never forgetting where we came from. Never forget it. And at that time, washing feet was the worst job you could ever have. It was the lowest position you could ever claim. So let me close with a few other thoughts. Jesus, while still kneeling at the feet of his disciples, John 13, 14, 15, said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. A church that serves is a church filled with joy and will be a church that makes a difference in their community. Christ's servants served as faithful stewards of what has been given to them. Christ's servants are humble. They will not forget all that God's done for them. Christ's servants will love people like Christ loved them. Christ's servants model Christ every day in their life. I don't know about you. I've stepped on my toes. Maybe I've stepped on your toes. I hope I have. I hope the Lord has. I hope the Spirit has. Because as a church, we will model Christ to this community that He's called us to. According to the Associated Press, neighbors had called authorities when they sensed something might be wrong. When the police contacted the woman's brother, she said he had gone into a nursing home. People told the Postal Service to stop delivering the mail. One neighbor paid her grandson to cut the grass because the place was looking run down. 
Another neighbor had the utility company come and shut off the water when a pipe froze, broke, and sent water spilling out of the door. And to a great extent, though, it was not really a mistake. One friend from the past said, you know, she didn't want anyone bothering her at all. I guess she got her wish, but it's awfully sad. Her brother said the family hadn't been close since their mother died in 1979. And he added, someone should have noticed something before now. Yeah, someone should have. The woman died and sat in that house for four years. And nobody noticed. And nobody checked. And nobody cared. Father, I ask you this morning, do we care? Do we care enough that we will do whatever it takes to make sure somebody finds your son Jesus as Savior? Or are we content to be like these flowers sitting on this stool and look pretty and look like we're really alive and thriving when in essence we're as fake and phony and unproductive and ungrowing as we could ever be. Father, I want to challenge the people in this room. Some would say I'm preaching to the choir today. But I believe that this message was intended for at least one person in this room beyond myself. So, Father, perhaps that one person would be ready to make a, a renewed commitment to you to be your arms, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your, your mouth. God, that they would allow themselves to become servants looking for ways to help others around them. Not satisfied with where they are, but ready to serve and looking for ways to make it happen. God, stir among us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Song of invitation. Jesus is tenderly calling us home. If He is, would you respond to Him this morning? We stand and sing. Jesus is 